0: Well good morning, Bethany Community Church. Uh, I'm Pastor Scott, super glad to be with you here this Sunday. Uh, week three of Advent, the mystery of peace, the mystery of peace. I hope I hope you've lit your third Advent candle, the candle of peace. Uh, we remember that scripture from Colossians, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Um, today we'll be looking at King Herod and uh, the idea of kingship. I remember when I was a kid going, I don't remember a lot when I was a young kid, but I remember one special birthday going to Burger King and having this great party. And I remember literally the best part of the party was when I got my crown, when I got it. Because let's be honest, there is a piece of us that loves power, that loves control, and so today as we're talking about peace during Christmas, it sounds good, but oftentimes many of us struggle with peace. But today we're going to look at King Herod from Matthew 2. The king who loved his crown so much, he missed the revelation of Christ's birth being good news for all people. Herod was the big king who resists the little king of Jesus. And we can read that and say, oh, wow, I'm glad I'm not like him. But we're not allowed to read the scriptures from a place of victor and not as ones that the scriptures were intended for to shape us, to change us. There's a key challenge in the mystery of peace. See, we think control will yield power for us, many of us. But in Christ, power is found by laying our control down. And so we'll look at King Herod today as a character who hysterically, historically bears much significance for us because we can see ourselves in Herod too. Last week, Allie did a wonderful job, didn't she? She talked about the Magi with curiosity coming to see Christ. Herod seeks Christ in order to distort and subvert. Uh, last week in my house church, someone said, It seems like the outsiders almost have a clearer view of who Jesus is. And that's greatly dangerous for us as people of faith. Because as people of faith, we need to constantly find ourselves in the story and say, How am I like this King Herod, whose paradigm kept him from seeing the glory of Christ because he wanted control. He wanted power. He was he was so scared of the little king, baby Jesus that he would end up uh, ordering the slaughter of the innocents. Uh, Dozens, maybe hundreds of killed babies to protect his power. Today's scripture on Herod brings to light in which um, imposter kings who sit on many of our own personal thrones of authority, uh, sadly, for many of us, myself included, we have an idol of control. And so when we look at Herod, may we see his story and see our story. Because for King Jesus to rule over you, you'll need to stop following false kings. And you'll need to surrender your control. But for those willing to bow in the midst of their troubles, real power awaits through Jesus. Let's look at this first part here. For King Jesus to rule over you, you need to stop following false kings. Because the reality is we have the imposter kings of our lives competing for our allegiance. If you look at Matthew 2, there is this definition of king. King Herod says, where is the the new king? And King Herod, it'll actually be the last time he's referenced king in Matthew, incidentally. Herod's family was was a, um, a, a puppet king over the people of Israel, installed by Caesar. Herod had this compulsion to control that caused incredible anger and great destruction. Herod was not a ruler in the line of David. No, no, he was set up by the Romans to be a false power structure over the people of Israel, to, 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 to enforce tactics and, and taxes and enforce uh, rules and, and, and Roman rule. He was an imposter king. He was a false leader and he was a vicious one. Herod killed his sons, his brother-in-law, even his own wife out of jealousy. Caesar himself had said, it's better to be Herod's pig than his son. An ironic statement because Jews, as we know, don't eat pork. But Herod sought to be this false king who controlled the narrative of Christ's birth and he saw in Christ, he saw his own downfall. Because false kings don't like to be deposed. They go comfortable in their supremacy. Matthew 2, 3 says this. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard about King Jesus, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Deeply disturbed. And, and why everyone in Jerusalem? Because as the leader goes, so often go the people, he was disturbed. The Greek word is this word tarasso, to stir, to agitate, to be troubled. The Passion Translation said he was shaken to his core. Why is Jesus and his new kingship so upsetting? Because for a sitting king to hear there's a new king, you have your you have your your, 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 your off-ramp. You're done. It, it, it makes sense actually. Because false kings don't like to be kicked off the throne. They just don't. And that's a history lesson. But as we look at our own lives, the reality is there's something in this Herod story that's for us. It's been tearing at me this week, certainly. I've been looking at it all week. I'm like, how am I like Herod? Like what false kings exist on the throne of my life? What fake authority am I enabling somehow to take authority where Jesus should be? Maybe that's why faith feels so hard at times. Maybe because our sin nature clings to the idea that we've become heroes in our own story. We like baby Jesus. We like Advent calendars. We like a holy night. But there's something in Jesus' arrival that needs us to deal with the false kings that sit on our thrones. And when we're disturbed, when we're troubled, May we look to Jesus to help fill our pain, to bring us peace. What do your troubles reveal about who sits on your throne? When you feel threatened, maybe God is calling some of your idols to be revealed. Do you trust Jesus more or less when troubles hit? See, Jesus is the prince of peace But peace isn't just the absence of conflict. It's the possessions of something deeper, something truer. Peace then is about learning to turn to Christ, not despite challenges, but in the middle of it. There's this incredible verse which describes this promise of peace in the presence of our new King Jesus. Paul would say in Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, With thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. And so, to be a follower of the new king is to deal with your false kings, is to do business a bit with what has authority over you. Every one of us, I'm sorry friends, has a bit of King Herod in our lives that is prone to violence and blame and protection and control. He is, according to one of my theology professors in college, he is the everyman. Here it is. He's you. He's definitely me. And if Jesus is Lord, it means I am not. And I've got to wrestle with that. Martin Luther would say that your flesh in itself is corrupt and inclined to even evil even after you accept and believe God's word. That's mind-blowing because the work of salvation means we are a finished, complete work in Christ. But the work of sanctification means that we are an ongoing project to continue to deal with the lordship of Christ, to depose the false kings who want to take up residence in our everyday existence. We must deal with false kings and pretend kingdoms. And so what's a false king? Certainly political candidates or, or party platforms. Maybe it's a safety net of financial provision that will eliminate all worry. Or a mental state completely avoided of winter blues or, or, or anxiety. Or a, a faith that's completely bulletproof against doubt. Like the, all those things are false kings who want to sit on the throne of our hearts. We must deal with this stuff because I've said it before, what's not healed is handed down. And so may we as a church lean in in this season and say, Lord, heal me of my desire to be a king. You heal me of my desire to be a mini Herod and cling to my own power and my own control. Jesus, would you lord over me? Would you be my king? That's that's what disciples do. That's the journey that we're on. And, And if that's not you this morning, there's just invitation, no shame. Join us on the journey. This is difficult work. Join us on the journey of making Jesus your high king of heaven. That's what Herod reveals to us, that Jesus wants to shine a light into us and onto us. What Herods need toppling? What false kings need to be deposed? What places of uh, of our journey does God wanna shine a light onto and bring us to worship, to bring us to our knees? Like, that's what the Herod story really reveal. Herod would later order the slaughter of the innocents, hundreds of dead babies in Bethlehem that historians wouldn't even know because they say it was commonplace for Herod. Because false kings can be violent and vicious and seek to protect their own power. So be easy on yourself. But invite Jesus into this journey with you. God, shine a light in me in this season. And God help me see what imposter kings are are trying to rule or rule over me. In, in uh, English aristocracy, there's a there's a story actually from history of an imposter king, a false king. This guy, get this, his name was Perkin Warbeck. Perkin Warbeck in the 1490s. And he pretended to be the heir of the English throne. He wasn't even English. He pretended to be the Prince Richard of Shrewsbury, the Duke of York. Do you love that? He wasn't even English. He was from Belgium, learned to speak English in Ireland, and found out about these missing sons and the uncle that had ascended kingship, and he thought, ah, here's my chance to be the false king. But get this, he drew people to himself by their dissatisfaction. He went to Ireland and found dissatisfied people with the king of England. said, follow me. He went to Scotland, later to to Cornwall. His, His entry point was dissatisfaction, this Perkin Warbeck. It ended up costing him his life. So where do you turn to false kings through places of dissatisfaction? Where is Jesus calling you back? And second, where are you willing to bow in the midst of your troubles? And where could you see that real power in Christ awaits See, Herod's strategy to deal with his troubled spirit, he he calls a meeting, and for all of us in a lot of meetings and Zoom meetings right now, we're like, ha, exactly, they're evil. Herod calls a meeting, Matthew 2, 4 says, Herod called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law, and he says, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Their answer, of course, everybody knew from Micah, it's in Bethlehem. They said, it's in Bethlehem, and so Herod displays this curiosity, but not to worship, but in order to control, because he sought to destroy the new king. See, he sought to protect his false authority with this tactic of control. The Magi, Ali talked about it so beautifully last week, they knelt in wonder. Herod sought to control. When are we pretending to seek Christ in order to control what God wants to do in our lives? When might Jesus be inviting us, even in our troubles, to turn to him in worship? In the book of Ezekiel, there's this staggering verse that my spiritual mentor shared with me recently about the way in which we see Christ uh, often will dictate how he expresses himself to us. In Ezekiel 14, it says, when any of the Israelites set up idols and put a stumbling block before the faces of the Lord and go to the prophet, I myself will be keeping from them my, my own revelation in their idolatry. God says through Ezekiel, if people seek me, but if they're seeking me from a place only to prop up their false kings and idols, God says, I'll let them have those false kings. But if people seek me and seek me with all their heart, if they're willing to bow to approach me, then God says, I can lord over them. I can be a heavenly king in their lives, but only for the humble, only for the broken, only for those willing to bow to approach me. This is the secret to our power source of Christians. It comes not in what we lord over, but who we submit to. Like this is the promise of peace, the promise of power awaiting for those who repent of our desire of control. See, we might think faith means we get control in Christ. we We have control and we have guaranteed of safe days and painless journeys. And it's just not true. No, as Ephesians say, God's power exists for those who believe in Jesus, for those who are willing to lay their lives down, to get on their knees and say, Jesus, will you be the king of my heart? Will you be the king of my story? This is, I mean, this is big stuff. This is ongoing work for me if I can be real with you all. This is, this is real time for me where I'm wrestling with this stuff. But I want to proclaim God's glory and not my own. I want to repent of ways that I cling to false kings and, and false authority and see God becoming greater and greater and greater in me and then through me. That's what Jesus would say in John 15. My peace I give to you. My peace I bestow on you. Peace then isn't a byproduct of our control or our goodness or our anything. It's Jesus. And so if you want to follow this king with me, with us, join the journey. Join. If you travel in this day and age to the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem, there is a church on the site where Jesus was born. And it's called, if you want to approach it, it's called the Door of Humility. This door is four feet tall and two feet wide. Because if you want to see where Jesus was born, you're going to wait for it. You're going to need to bow to enter. Do you love that? Like, you can't make this stuff up. That's our faith. If you want to follow this Jesus, you've got to approach through the door of humility. And so when you're troubled, when you're agitated, maybe ask yourself this question. God, what are you doing here that only you can reveal yourself to me? What do you want to use this time in my life to become greater? God, what false kings and false authorities do you want to destroy on the throne of my life? Because friends, if you want the life that's really life, if you want the power that's really power, if you want the goodness that only King Jesus can give you, it happens as you submit and and, and open yourself up, not to control or authority, but in humility to, to, to become more and more and more like Christ. And so church, may you feel the peace of Christ And may you feel called to dismantle the false kings who lord over you. And may you experience the gift of the Holy Spirit who longs to fill you, who longs to lord over you, who longs even in a pandemic Christmas to say, I can do something here in the darkness, but only for the humble. Will you take that journey with us? Will you step in with us? Will you turn in hunger and humility and curiosity to say, Lord, lead me. Lord, I want to be more and more and more like you. Because the church in this day is not, it's not a place for us to cling to power, especially right now in in the uncertainty of the pandemic. No, we're called to be women and men laying our lives down on the altar of the new king, this prince of peace who wants to topple the false kings and kingdoms and and false thrones, the little Burger King crowns that we want to place on our heads and call it good. Jesus wants to deal with that stuff. But he loves us. And he loves us in the midst of this journey. So church, we love you. We're praying for you. We're preparing to worship with you. We want God to have supreme authority in your life. And we await uh, all of this goodness together, even in the midst of so much unknowing. Will you pray with me now? Holy Lord God, thank you for just brief moments that feel like they're not enough. But God, they're good and they're true. And you're teaching us something even now in the midst of this time about what your kingship means, about what it means to walk in the dark and follow your great light. Lord God, teach us as your people to be humble, teach us to repent of places we've clung to authority and and, and control. God, it's painful to not know what comes next. It's painful. And so, God, would your spirit rest on the truly, uh, broken right now, would you would you just go out and minister to people that are watching this on a Sunday morning or listening at a later time? would Would your spirit just fall on them and let them know that they don 't travel alone? And God would you lead us all in this time to a place of obedience and humil- and humility, finding ourselves walking through that door of humility We want to see your kingship. We want to see your life lifted high in our lives in our church, in the city, in this time and this season for your glory. God, we love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen.